0: Hello everyone. My name is Ryan Bolton. This is the Clear to Close podcast. With me, as always, is Carson Jones with Team Honey, part of the Realty One Group Goldmark here in St. George. I'm with Synergy One Lending, and today we want to talk about the process of buying a home. I see a lot of questions online about specific parts of the process, so I thought we'd just go through what when a client comes into our offices, what the steps are to help you understand the process of actually buying a home. There's a lot of different steps. And I often tell my clients and Carson will do the same thing. You're not supposed to know how all this stuff works. That's why you have us to help you walk through all of these steps and to help you avoid the pitfalls and some of the things that can happen during the process. So Carson, what do you think is the first step? What is the first step of buying a home?
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of people will tell you. Many different things. They'll say, find a realtor just uh, or just start looking for homes. But really, the first thing you got to do is find out what you can afford. Mm. And uh, a lot of people, they unfortunately make that third or fourth step. And then they've already found a house that they love. And then eventually they get the unfortunate news that maybe they can't afford that. So the biggest thing is find out what you can afford. If for some reason you decide, hey, I have a ton of cash in my account. I just want to pay cash. Still, it depends. I mean, just because you have a million bucks lying around doesn't mean you should spend 900K on a home. Right away, right? So, uh, and we have other episodes that we've talked about why maybe you shouldn't pay cash, of course, for a home. But uh, what I would tell you is first thing to do is get pre approved. Even if you decide in the long run that you are going to pay cash, still get pre approved because you might realize, like, hey, this payment is not very much for me to just maybe leverage my money a little bit more and actually get a loan on this rather than just going straight for the cash. So get pre approved. That way, a lender is going to tell you, hey, this is exactly what we could do. You're going to be able to afford. $350,000 uh, house. But if you want an HOA, like your HOA has to be under 150 bucks. Uh, if you don't have an HOA, your budget might go up to 365 or whatever. So mm-hmm. that's gonna be your first step because before you really can start falling in love with places, you need to make sure it's a possibility. Right. Uh, it's unfortunate to see people when they fall in love with homes or properties and and then they realize they can't afford it and uh, then of course it's just heartbreak and then they're not motivated to buy any anymore at all because nothing's going to be like that house that they found you know and i find people are
0: kind of weird about doing pre-approvals and it's like I don't know if they think that you and I are in cahoots that you're trying to drive business on paying you money or something like that. There really isn't any of that going on. Plus on the loan side, we don't get incentivized by selling different loans. We make money on the loan amount itself. That's it. It's not like we make money if we sell a VA loan to an FHA borrower convention, all the different loan programs out there. It doesn't make any difference anymore. But you see in the industry, that is such an important point. Pre-approval, pre-approval, pre-approval. It's not to try to drive business to each other, which is what we want to do as part of our referral networks, but it's such an important part. Just like you said, the last thing you want to do is show houses to somebody that's not qualified. Most sellers are not going to accept your offer if you haven't at least done that step, if you need financing. And again, having all your options, just like the car industry or the tech industry, things change and innovate all the time. Don't you think we're doing that with mortgages? Yeah. Don't you think we're coming up with different ways to help self-employed people or all kinds of different things? Now, yes, rates have moved up a little bit more to whatever normal rate is for the last 50 years, but it's still worth looking at the numbers and you may find things you didn't even know about because you haven't done a mortgage in 10 years or 20 years or never, if you're a first time home buyer. So that's why anybody you talk to that really should be your first step is at least get an opinion, check out your other options review what your payment's going to be because I've seen that too many times where people get excited about a house and they can't qualify or the payment's way more or the reverse. They think they can only afford X amount. So they're looking at homes that just don't have all the features or location or garage or all the stuff they want because they think that's all they can do Mm -hmm. because they haven't looked at how we can use down payment to pay off debts or use it to get rid of mortgage insurance or buy down the rate. There's a lot of ways you can use that money instead of, Twenty percent
1: down. Well, and that happens so often where somebody comes into a sale saying, "This is exactly I'm going to put my twenty percent down," and uh, this is exactly what I'm going to do throughout my loan. Most of the time, people will change that pretty quickly once they've talked to a lender because the lender might say, "You don't need to do twenty percent down. In fact, your payments not going to be that much different." Uh, especially, I mean, we can buy out mortgage insurance. We can do certain things to get this. So your payment's about the same and you don't just have to start flushing away too much cash. Right. Totally.
0: And I've seen times where you've got like a $500 car payment on a $10,000 loan. Well, 10 grand on a mortgage isn't going to save you 500 bucks. Yeah. So getting rid of that can free up your budget. So all you have is the house. You can have some money in savings for emergency, just for a little cushion while you're transitioning from renting to buying yeah so that's where that pre approval process gives you options you may not
1: be aware of and and as we move into step two i mean i I will say after step one i i I would say step one and a half is to start freezing what you're doing with your funds now Mm. i mean don't go buy a brand new car don't go open up a whole bunch of new credit cards because that unfortunately kills more deals than any home inspector any appraiser it's when the buyer just goes out and says, Hey, I'm going to get a brand new house. I, I need to have a nice Mercedes to put in my new garage. <laughs> Great. Get a Mercedes, but get that after closing yeah. because that's, it's going to kill a lot of things with that deal. If you just decide that, Hey, I'm going to spend all my money right now. And totally And people hear credit.
0: pre-approval. So they think, Oh, okay. I'm approved. So now I can go get the furniture card, you know, yeah. go to RC Willie Boulevard, Ashley furniture store, whatever it is, and get a $10,000 card of furniture and appliances or whatever stuff. Cause they think, okay, they've heard that pre-approval, mm. so they're done. But really there's steps all the way to the very end, even the day we close to verify things haven't changed with your credit, with your job, with your down payment that could kill a deal. I've had deals that get killed because people lose their job unexpectedly. Or that's like you said, one of the most common memes out there in the mortgage world is people that get a car loan or get a visa or get a store card. And like you said, start saving now, the pre-approval stage too, there's so many times I see people's credit report that if we just had an extra 30 days to just work on tweaking the score, I mean, you get a different rate if you're 719 to 721, that's a different tier. That's two points. Mm. So there's lots of little ways we can try to look at the credit, boost you up a score or two that can make a difference to the rate. If we have the time to do it, but our microwave society, as soon as they decide I want to buy or their lease expires, oh, my lease expires. I've had so many clients call me, my lease expires, you know, in three weeks or at the end of the month
1: well and, and i'm like that's a little late to start working on getting is. a it is <laughs> i i get a lot of people say oh well sorry i'm not going to buy a house because i still have a lease th- uh, at for another six months great we better get started you yeah. know and other thing with that is how many Landlords right now would be thrilled if you said, Hey, I gotta leave early, because right. they're gonna be able to now jack up the price on their next right. person. So yeah, you don't
0: have nearly the issue of trying to fill your lease as you do, especially in our area. Right. Uh, right. Because rents have been moving up and landlords have been able to, to raise those rates. Yeah. Um so or even sell if they're wanting to sell. I mean, that's what they're trying to do as well. Yeah. So now so let's what go on. To, next. So next uh, next step I kind of have a um idea here. So you've got your pre approval, you're able to narrow down. I always think the next step is going through needs and wants on the home so you can start the search. and that's where a real estate agent kicks in to be able to start narrowing down what fits that budget on your yeah. pre-approval what starts fitting your needs and wants So I always tell the clients okay what's what's your three needs? I've got to have this number of bedrooms or I've got to have a yard for the dog, or I've got yeah. a fence. To, I really think that helps you to be able to not show them 17 homes first of all mm-hmm. and be able to narrow down okay, these are the ones that I think based on my experience in the market, that fits those real hot buttons that you need and really separate what's a need versus one want. everybody wants a well for me a ten thousand square foot garage you know and maybe a maybe two bedrooms that's all i need yeah. you know my, my yeah. wife she's gonna want a little something different yeah
1: well <laughs> so. and that's that's the biggest thing is is finding an, an agent who actually searches for you mm. right um so i mean essentially hiring the correct realtor here's the great news when you're buying a home Depending on the state, but if you're buying a home in the state of Utah, you're not paying your realtor. And I know some realtors might have a couple small fees, a few hundred bucks they might charge for their brokerage. A lot of the time, you shouldn't even really have to pay those either. So... In the state of utah buying a house with a real estate agent is free the seller pays the realtor so that's one thing to know there's no reason to buy a house in utah without using a realtor because mm-hmm. then there's so much that a realtor is going to do in terms of uh, i i mean just disclosure wise right that is going to be important especially in the long run when when it comes down to hey maybe something was wrong with the house you've got You still got somebody who, yes, their contract with you is up after you close, but technically they're going to work for you forever on this home. If something comes up in 10 years from now and you represented them, you still have, they still have your back on this place. So, so hiring that right realtor, who's actually going to do work for you. Cause a lot of realtors, what they're going to do is they're going to send you a link and this link is going to. Send you properties automatically, right? And what you want is you want to have a realtor who actively every single morning is looking at the hot sheets, looking at what new listings are out there, because that's what's going to actually get you into a house and beat out everybody else. Because if there's a really good deal that pops up, even when the market is a very is very much in a buyer's market where there uh, there's a lot fewer buyers out there, and maybe you don't have to uh, you don't have to compete nearly as much. Uh, good deals are still going to go quick Mm. and so you have to have somebody who's going to be on that because you might not be able to check your email for three or four days so you want an agent who's going to text you immediately and say hey this perfect house came up if you can't go see it today let me go take a video of it for you Um, and so if you can get that it's going to be so much easier to find that place and then on top of that you want somebody who's willing to go out and find you the house Mm. and if maybe a house is not listed find find a realtor who actually calls around to neighborhoods, calls around to those houses that are specific. Maybe you want a house that's right behind Pineview High School and it has to be three bedrooms. You have to have a two car garage. Well, a lot of realtors who do the best work in town and really anywhere in the country, they're going to call a whole bunch of homeowners who are not listed for sale and say, Hey, I have somebody who wants to buy your house. And of course, 95 out of a hundred of those phone calls are going to say, no, I'm not interested. But five of those phone calls are at least going to say no but i've talked to somebody else in the neighborhood who's thinking about it Mm. and maybe call him says yeah maybe in another six months but at at one point through those phone calls somebody's going to say yeah i mean i'd be interested in selling my place so that's what's going to set your buying power apart from somebody who's just kind of out there and maybe hired hired their buddy who doesn't really work hard as a realtor they're just they just have a license Mm. um this way you can get the house that you want and you can get the house without having to compete against 50 other people.
0: Well, and I look at, everybody goes to com. there's a lot of these things, but you can't tell me that there's not times where you're buying a car, buying a house, the photos are different than the house. The neighborhood's different or you're, that's where having boots on the ground, so to speak, having somebody that's in the market going around and showing homes, going to board, t- just doing stuff where they can see the homes. You can definitely tell, okay, that photo's better or worse. I've seen it both ways where you look at the photos of, Oh, this place is horrible. Mm-hmm. And no, I've been through the home. The photos weren't done as well. They were done on an iPhone or a galaxy or something like that. Not professionally staged or, or stuff like that. Yeah. I think that's a, one of the big things you see as people go more online and start kind of doing their search before they even start coming to you. Yeah. There's always a difference between the photos, whether they're over-engineered or under-engineered, you know as far as filters and all the stuff that we have nowadays, and actually getting boots on the ground and saying no that yep. backyard is bigger than that or the bathroom is a lot smaller or no you don't want to do it it's facing the wrong way or it's further from the school than you think or mm. Knowing just the neighborhoods and what school districts and just where they're at, especially if you got kids that are different ages that are elementary and high school that are that are separate by you know a, a time frame, you can help them narrow down. Okay, this is closer to both schools, or you know, just knowing the area. Yeah. It, it, that's yeah. where being an expert. That's where working the job day in day out will separate from somebody that just sends you like a link, yeah, or you just go to Zillow and you just find whatever it is. One of the comment on Zillow in Utah. We're a non-disclosure state. So the values in the ranges and stuff, you'll see a sales price and you'll see this little indicator on there, whether it's, you know, good deal, bad deal kind of thing, but Utah's a non-disclosure state, meaning that they can't pull what homes actually sell for. Mm-hmm. They can pull the loans that were put on it, but if you got an $800,000 sales price, and old, the bunch of loans were only 400,000. It looks like a whole bunch of homes sold for 400,000, right. not really the number. So Zillow is really tricky in Utah, especially Southern Utah. So that's where I think having an actual experienced on the boots on, on the ground yeah. kind of agent makes a big difference, especially Utah.
1: I can't tell you how many times I've seen on Zillow where somebody finds the perfect home, but it's been oh, it's under been contract for yeah. three <laughs> weeks. And then it's, yeah, I found this house, this house I want to go see it. And then I I looked at it and I said, yeah, this has been sold for three weeks. Unfortunately, I had zillow one that was like two years gone oh yeah because it was like such a good price everybody started hitting and, it <laughs> and you can't go in and change that on zillow Zillow oh, yeah. has zero way that you can go in and change yeah. some of this stuff it's, it's really rough so so yeah i mean get getting with the right realtor has to be your next step right especially if it's free it's like why why wouldn't you a lot of people they have this misconception where if i don't use a realtor i'm going to get a discounted price mm. the realtors fees are already worked into that price right so the houses in town that are going to be listed with a realtor, that house is already saying, Hey, we're paying a realtor 6%. Well, if that usually that realtor is going to split that three and three, or maybe it's, maybe it's only 4% or something, but they'll split that up between the two realtors. Well, that doesn't mean that the seller suddenly gets back that extra 3% that the buyer's agent did use. That just means the seller's agent is just going to take more
0: money. Right. Right. And if they, if you use that seller's agent, when push comes to shove, they're going to represent the seller. Absolutely. And yeah. A seller and yeah. a buyer have two opposing views. You know, one wants the most they can get. One wants to pay the least yeah. they have. So that, that that's where negotiation moves back and forth, depending
1: on the situation, the market, the availability, the whole. yep. I mean, that's and the more change. that seller's agent can sell it for, the more they're going to make. Right. Right. So of course, I mean, I, I, I always say it's okay to you to do a dual agency, use the lip, the, the seller's agent, but, I only would really recommend doing that if it's a house that, again, maybe you've already talked to that agent before, maybe that agent showed you the home, but mm. especially if you just decide, hey, I'm just going to go see some houses with a realtor and then I'm just going to go talk to listing agents. You're going to be in for a rude awakening when you realize, wait, these guys are working against me and not for me. So, right, yeah. right. So, what's so the now next?
0: we got... Pre-approval narrow down your search, find an agent. I think the next step is submitting offers. We want to yeah. do a video about what's in a real estate contract. And I think we'll do that on a future video mm-hmm. because that can be a little intimidating and that's again, where using professionals can walk you through that form and it's where you can build up that trust to know you don't have to read every single line item. I mean, Utah's contract, I see contracts all over the country and Utah is actually one of the easier to read the prints a little bit bigger. It's not yeah. like all this stupid little fine print, but I think legal laws and 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 being sued has just increased around the whole it has for years and years and years of contracts just kind of keep getting a little bit thicker yeah, they disclosures do. keep getting a little bit thicker that's where again having the agent that walk you through okay here's the important parts this is what this means so then you can take the time to go through it but so we'll do videos on what that works but next is kind of submitting offers so yeah. are you seeing in the market right now there was a. It, uh, it's weird how you'll have people that just submit one offer, see if it sticks. Or now there's that shotgun effect. Well, we like mm. six of them. Let's just throw
1: six offers out, see which one sticks. I mean, are you seeing it, that dynamic change at it, all? It's a good question, and I, I get a lot of buyers who are afraid to write more not more than one offer at a time, which. Uh, Unfortunately, you need to get over that fear because uh, if if you're in a seller's market where there's tons of buyers out there uh, buying whatever house they can, you're going to have to have multiple offers in on different houses. Let's say both offers get accepted around the same time. You can then sit and say okay i've still got you're still going to have 48 hours or so before uh, uh before you really have to make that final decision But say sorry this one i'm just uh, i'm going to back out of this one this is the one that i want to take so you can still do that with that said what i'm much more going to be recommending to you guys is that when you're submitting offers submit an offer that the seller is actually going to entertain because even in today's market with maybe it slowing down a little bit more in terms of how many buyers are out there with, with interest rates, but you still want to submit something that the seller is going to be like, Hey, let's negotiate now. Because I see so many times like, Oh, the market's dropping. I'm going to offer, I mean, 10% under asking price or more. And let's see what he comes back. Well, the seller's going to say, sorry, I'm not even going to work with you. Mm -hmm. And that happens so often. And then the buyers get upset and say, what do you mean you won't work with me? Well, submit me an offer that's actually reasonable. Mm -hmm. Now, with that said, of course, there's many houses that are way, way overpriced. And sure, submit an offer that you actually think the house is worth. But you're still going to get beat out, even in today's market, if you're not submitting something that is actually in the ballpark of what the house is actually valued at.
0: I, I think that's so true. You get the national news, you get the national news. Oh, prices are doing this. Prices are doing that. It's, you've got to look at the local market. What's happening in Southern Utah is not the same as what's happening in Detroit or LA or Houston, Texas, or all these other places that they aggregate. you know, they, and, and a lot of the news is trying to move the needle is trying to get clicks. It's trying to do it. So it's sensationalized. Mm-hmm. I can't believe how many headlines I see. That don't match the actual content of the thing, and right. it's all housing market crashing or this market's down this much. And you start looking at the stats behind it, and say, "Yeah, you can, it's amazing how easy you can manipulate stats to meet a headline that you want to get to move." When really, when you dig deeper, that's not really what's happening. And then, especially in the local market, you've really got to look at the local market when it comes to that, because it it, it is something where I had a client that missed out. I thought on a really good deal on the house because all oh, house prices have come down twenty percent. I'm like, where? How? Yeah. Now maybe higher end certain areas. Sure. That's happened. Yeah. But if this was like a $350,000 home he wanted to get for two fifty, and I'm going, dude, that that price range isn't coming down because there's more buyers that can still afford that price range. Yeah. The higher end is going to start seeing some softening. Sure. But it's one of those things where <laughs> you've got to look at the local market. You've got to send out a couple offers that are realistic. and I, And I'm amazed at how many times I think we do it in our own lives where we don't take the shoes of the other person nearly enough. You know, and it's something where it's like, okay, if you had that house and somebody came and offered you a hundred thousand less than what you're asking, would you just say, sure? Now, maybe your situation you have to sell, you're desperate, maybe it is way overpriced. There's, you know, there's going to be situations mm. where you get those deals, but I think. There's too many times where you don't take all the look at the whole view of everything that's going on, how much you want that particular home, all the other amenities. I mean, maybe yeah, it's on paper worth a certain amount, but we saw during this last little bit, people wanted to be here more than even the price of the home. So that's why they're willing to pay so much more to get to that neighborhood, get to that school district, move to this area, get away from other areas, work remote. There's more benefit. Than just okay, I, I only want that house for two hundred thousand. That's it, you know that kind of thing.
1: So. Well, and the, and they do all of their negotiating before they're even under contract. Mm. There's a lot of negotiating you can still do once you're under contract, Good, right? Great, great so, point. and that moves us into our next uh, our, our, our next steps. Here is that you've got your inspection, you've got an appraisal. There's things that are going to be coming up throughout this uh uh this escrow period which can be anywhere from i mean if you're buying cash it could be as little as a week or less but usually in a mortgage you're between 30 and 40 days would you agree with that yeah, i'd say that. Uh, it's it, sped
0: up. as as things have slowed a little bit on mortgage companies i'd, I'd say that's
1: sped up that's a little sped bit up
0: uh, and appraisers aren't nearly as busy i mean everybody's a little less busy which is another good thing with things kind of stabilizing Is yeah. it isn't just so absolutely nuts and crazy but yeah i would say 30 days is the average i would say most contracts and are as short days. sales maybe begin coming back a little bit maybe maybe yeah. uh, i've seen NODs. Uh, nods is very, default. very few it, yeah i'm i'm everybody's waiting for this big spike it's yeah it's not happening because people can sell they don't yeah. have they're not underwater they don't have to just walk away from the house most of them have money into it so they feel that much more vested i, I think the ones who will struggle the most are the ones who maybe bought seven eight months ago right maybe, maybe. but i still think seven, eight months ago, their cost of that home, like their housing expense is still cheaper staying in the home yeah. than going to find something that, that true. And that was one of the things we saw why inventory didn't increase is people, I can't replace the home I have. I can't replace the payment. I can't replace location. Mm-hmm. I can't replace how much it costs me every month for what's out there now. So it is something where I don't think, I, I still haven't seen it. We haven't seen a really increase. There are always yeah. gonna be defaults. I don't yeah. care if the market, because people lose their job, people pass away, health issues, car accidents, stuff happens, life happens. So there's always going to be some foreclosures. In fact, if there's not the industry on our end starts saying, okay, you need to loosen your guidelines. You're yeah. not having a, you know, even a healthy number of defaults. That's yeah. actually a, a metric. Then maybe you need to loosen up your guidelines to, to start getting people into homes and keep the, keep the whole engine moving. But and
1: the, those short sale buys, I mean, those could take eight yeah. to 12 months to close sometimes can't sometimes. They? Yep. they they can take an extreme depends long. on what stage they're at in, yeah. that, in that process yeah so some of those can take a while so I mean you're gonna have either way you're gonna have between 14 to 45 days yeah. on average to uh, uh to do all your inspections you'll be getting an appraisal if you want especially if you're buying a, if you're getting a loan you're gonna be getting an appraisal yep. um, so there's still gonna be things in there that you can negotiate so get if you have a house that you like Submit offers that are going to be reasonable. If you get an appraisal and the appraisal says, hey, you're $20,000 worth of price. Let's say, okay, well, I'm not going to pay that. Here's your appraisal, Mr. Seller. Yep. If you want to continue on with the sale, then I'm going to need to drop the price a bit. And maybe you don't have to drop it all 20, 20 grand that, you're, that you're, uh, you're high on, but maybe at least somewhere you guys can meet in the middle and you make up for it. But... Yep. As new
0: information comes in, that's where you can and reevaluate because as you do your first walk through, just like with a car, it'd be like just walking around the car and then buying it. No, do a test drive, get into it, start it up, turn it off, turn on the four wheel drive system. I mean, you know, play with the thing and then start realize, oh, hey, this is you know got some issues or it's got some this and that. You can go back and say, okay, you know what, this is what you are asking for. This is what we agreed on, but we we found out that this is exactly correct. And that's where once the offer is accepted, that's kind of the next step of going through the pre approval. So the pre approval stage gets you kind of where we're at. Yeah. Once the offer is accepted,
1: that's when we start getting updated pay stubs, bank statements, and I'll all say that this on your behalf because this is actually something that's big, big, big headache for me is when you're in that escrow period, be in as much communication with your lender and your mm. realtor as humanly possible. Mm. I it's the worst when say Ryan and I are working together on a sale and we're like, yeah, he hasn't answered any of my call, the mm. the buyer hasn't answered any of my calls. He's uh, we've been trying to get documents from him and that's what's going to extend your uh, I- I- extend your escrow period. And then sometimes that will make it fall through if you're not getting the documents that you need uh, okay. to the lender. So when an, when a lender asks for documents, have them ready. A lot of those he's going to ask for prior to even writing offers. Right. So be that proactive buyer who gets it all because it will make your life so much easier one of the most stressful they actually consider a realtor as one of the more stressful jobs in the country which sounds ridiculous but a lot of it is is because there's so much uh, there's so so many people you have to communicate with and unfortunately there's a lot of people who are terrible communicators and uh, i i've worked with lenders and title companies who I can't communicate with them. Right. Mm. They, they don't answer their phones. They don't work on weekends whatsoever. Um, if it's, uh, if it's any type of holiday, even if it's national pumpkin pie day, (laughs) they're not answering their phones. And so that's one thing I've liked about working with you is because you're, you're on it. I can call you. And I know just by what I hear in the background. Okay. Do Brian's at the 16th of the ledges, but you're also working, <laughs> answering the phone, right? You're answering the phone and you're working and you could do it all, all right from there. Yeah. And, and that's one thing that I, I really have liked about working with you is that you're always, you're always there no matter what the heck you've got going on in your life. And I think that's important when you're hiring your title company, your um, home warranty company, especially because if your home warranty company isn't somebody who's going to answer the phone after you've closed, uh, that's going to be a problem when you're Furnace blows up or whatever. Yeah. So uh, your realtor, everybody, you do communication is the first thing. And so for the buyer, we are always just going to ask submit documents and, and when when you're asked, right? Yeah. I mean, of course, you're not going to just have it on the spot, but. I mean, it shouldn't usually take 24 to 48 hours or more to get them your most recent pay stub or maybe your two years ago tax returns or something
0: yeah and that's where that pre-approval stage helps me to narrow down which direction we're going whether we need you know if they're self-employed or there's so many different income sources there's so many different things that we can say okay here's a couple things that are going to be what we need to work on while we're submitting offers but a lot of times we don't want to send them on a wild goose chase of documentation that we yeah. have to re-update because it takes a couple months to find a yeah. home or something like that so there's a balance between what you get and when, how you get it. But that's part of my job is to explain, okay, why do you need this stuff? Because once you know the why, it's a lot easier to get the what. It is. And then technology has changed so much where people can get their bank statements online, email. There's so many things, but some people aren't as comfortable with that. They still wanna come in and meet. So we try to accommodate any client, no matter what stage, no matter if they're first time home buyers or bought 15 houses this year. There's always a, a, a job of kind of massaging that and making it work with the guidelines, certain loan programs require certain documentation. Yeah. And then as you get stuff, you might look at it and that triggers something else. So we get a bank statement. All of a sudden what's this $50,000 cash deposit? Where'd that come from, yeah. Yeah. you know, or there's a, a weird line item. I can't tell you how many pay stubs we'll have something where once the offer is accepted, we enter the paperwork stage, like we said, and that can change a little bit. As we get paperwork, you got your inspections, home inspection is usually first, we usually recommend doing that. On every file, I don't yeah. care if it's new. We've talked about home inspection, get them, get them. It can be another m- negotiation, but more importantly, your eyes are wide open going into it. We've talked about home inspections are so crucial. Once that's done, that's usually when we enter that appraisal stage and within the contract, there's gonna be certain deadlines. You have to do all this stuff, but if you pass that deadline, you can't use that as a way to either renegotiate or back mm-hmm. out of the deal. So we have deadlines in Utah. Now, yeah. some states don't have those deadlines. Believe me,
1: there's, there's not even deadlines for earnest money. The earnest money never yeah. goes hard in some states. But And let's talk about some of those deadlines. Like, yeah. what, what do we have? I mean, you've got your earnest money deadline. It's usually your first deadline, right? Uh, of how long you have to turn in the earnest yep. money so most places you're going to turn it in directly to the brokerage actually what i do is i just have you turn it in directly to the title company. that's happening yeah i would say that trend has
0: happened a lot during my career I used to always go to the brokerage or now it's eight, going to the title almost company. everyone I, sending it to the title company I like because that. the he, trust account yep they manage the funds they manage not commingling. i mean there's been yeah. some big issues where agents will take the money into their own account or whatever <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's not what you're supposed to do, is co mingle those funds in any way. No kidding. Plus, it becomes kind of a neutral third party that's supposed to make sure they follow what's in the contract. If there is a dispute, mm-hmm. it's not between the agents and the broker and all that. It, it, it becomes a you know, it does sometimes get a little trickier to get to because they do want letters signed and have everybody release it, but it does become a little bit yeah. of a, of a go between or a little yeah. bit of a standard when it comes to that. And earnest money, I've seen. I've seen a thousand is probably the most common
1: earnest money is a thousand bucks. I would say, I see 5,000 depending on the bigger deals. And it depends on the market. I mean, if uh, in the past few years, if you weren't a minimum of 1%, you weren't going to get, you weren't going to be accepted. Right.
0: Do you think that really when an agent or when a buyer or sorry, when a seller is looking at the offer, do you think that if they're, everything else is the same, but the earnest money is more, is
1: that something that does it it will, it will (laughs) for sure. Cause it kind of shows them how serious they are. Hmm. Um, and so now if you're getting a house and it's been on the market for six months, you know, you're the only offer then okay you can offer a small amount of earnest money sure but uh especially if you're in a competitive market make sure you're giving something that's going to show the seller that hey i'm serious about this i want to make this happen um and i'm essentially putting my earnest money here so that yeah if i if something happens after a certain date then i'm i'm gonna be it's amazing how
0: protected it is for the buyer for a long,
1: long time, it especially is. Utah. It is. Yeah. It's,
0: it, you really have to be oblivious to your dates or not have the communication, not working with the right team to lose your earnest money. I think in my career, it's yeah. only happened one or two times. And it was because I either got the file way late in the process and was already gone anyway, yeah. or it was something where it wasn't disclosed I mean, Or they got usually, cold
1: feet last second, right? Yeah. Or
0: I've had people that lose their job. Something yeah. happens to where, yeah. but it's, I mean, it shouldn't be something that should be at risk if you're doing the job and, and communicating yep. and knowing those dates, that's one of the systems that I make sure is when I get a contract, first couple of things I do is put in calendars, put in alerts, put in things that say, okay, that's that deadline. And usually do it a couple of days before. Mm. So if there's a financing and appraisal deadline, due diligence, something like that, I'm ahead of that to make sure that if we are not underwritten or approved or something at that point, that we have time to fix it. Because if you get to the point where it's the day of, then it's a scramble getting hold of people. Yeah, maybe the seller's like, oh, I'm hoping this deal falls through and I get the earnest money, go sell it to somebody else. So they're not being as communicative. You just don't want to wait till the last second. We're yeah. such a microwave society. I cannot believe how often yeah. having an extra 30 days for pre-approval an extra couple days on a deadline can save you so much stress, hassle, all that stuff. And it's all man-made. It's all, we all create this stuff. Yep. So work with it, you know, don't work against it. Don't fight against it so much. There's systems in place for yeah. a reason.
1: All right, so, I mean, you've got your due diligence deadline, yep. you've got your financing appraisal deadline, and then you have settlement deadline. And settlement deadline is always a little confusing to people because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people think that, you go to the title company, you sign a whole bunch of papers. If you get a loan, you sign a ton of papers. If you yeah. are, are not getting a loan or even maybe if you're selling, there's a lot fewer fewer papers to sign. But if you are uh, you go to the title company, okay, I got my keys as soon as I leave the title company. Rarely does that ever happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, more often than not, it can even be a couple days later that that you get your keys. Now, uh, I always recommend to my clients, which maybe, I, I don't see this very much, but I've kind of found that this is the best way to go is sign on a Thursday or before. Because mm. a lot of times you sign on a Friday and then you're playing around with deadlines because you've got why wi- money's got to be wired from the, from the lender. Well, if that money gets lent, uh, wired after say two to 3 PM, depending on the deadline, guess what? You don't close that same day and now you're going to have to wait all weekend and you won't get your keys until Monday. So and that true. could be a pain in the butt. You're so like, true. Oh, sorry. You've already moved out. Now you're in a hotel for the weekend. Yeah. It's so, so true how often that happens and how many contracts are
0: end of the month. Yeah. So those yeah. last couple of days of the month, they're always really busy for agents, yep. title companies and us. It always seems like it just goes to that instead of kind of yeah. looking at the calendar and maybe picking, okay, let's go that first week or, yep. I mean, I think that's helped a little bit with closing disclosure and some things on the dates, The funniest one. Blown actually, away how many times it's always end of the month and totally, like you said, you don't in Utah, especially now there's some states that they call wet and dry, you have to fund same day that you sign. So the right, wires are right. sent. So you have to do a thing, but usually it delays the closing because yep. there's more things they have to do before that anyway. So. Yep. I haven't seen a big difference between the two States on when you actually get keys other than signing keys versus signing. And usually, like you said, the next business day, to and get wires is, out and all that kind of stuff we can still same day fund in utah but it's much more common it is yeah to sign get keys the next day and, and it, totally it's true. becoming
1: one of those things where of course docu sign is getting more and more usable mm. for these you're still going to have to wet signatures more often than not on yep. something at least it's coming and i
0: think it's coming but the notarization yeah. the legal forms there's just too many lawsuits too many there attorneys are. that are finding
1: loopholes in this stuff yep. that's why the the document and just the disclosures get bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> so you've got to get to the point where you can consistently consistently have your clients as a realtor consistently have them ahead of schedule. Right. And so let's say your buyers currently live in Seattle and they're buying here in St. George, they're going to have documents they need to sign. Well, how say you're, settlement deadline is on friday those should be signed by monday or so mm. so that they can be overnight shipped back and then everything's still on board because otherwise if they sign them on wednesday or thursday oh shoot ups hasn't shown up with the documents net yet now we're late now we won't be able to sign for another day well sorry your people from seattle are always already halfway here mm. in their uh, in their u-haul truck with their stuff and now you got to tell them sorry guys I'll now you, you have to I can't all tell you, weekend. like you said, you,
0: you, you nailed it. I can't believe how many people will have two U-Haul trucks. They have to go to a hotel for yeah, a I couple know. days it's because of the too. weekend or a holiday or yep. this type of thing. So, so we got the offers accepted. We finalize underwriting. We finalize um, the inspections, all that kind of stuff. We do final walkthroughs. You yep. have a chance to walk through the house one more time because you and I have had some horror stories <laughs> that people that have it under contract 30 days later, they uh. do their final walkthrough and they they've moved out and as they moved out, they've taken stuff, fixtures, or they've taken the door yeah. they really liked, or yeah, uh, so it that final off more often than, more than you realize. Yeah. Same thing as that pre-approval thing. They're pre-approved. So they go out, got a car loan or they yeah. go get this sellers. Oh, we're under contract. We got our contracted price. It's not bolted to the house
1: or it is a customization. I did. I'm taking that sucker with me. And now remember and <laughs> this to your buyers. I mean, of course your financing and appraisal deadline is usually when your earnest money is going to be going hard. Mm. However, let's say you go to the final walkthrough and they replaced all the appliances because they wanted to keep their brand new appliances they had but that was never disclosed you can still get that earnest money back then if you realize hey now i'm not buying what i was promised that i'm going to buy right so that final walkthrough is super important and so many times it's just thrown out the window they don't even do it um or a realtor says oh, i don't have the time i'm not going to go over and do this you ha- you do your do, final walk through <laughs> i always recommend just do it right before you even go to the title company and so one thing i like to do is let's say i have my my uh, title company i have them set up for 10 to 11 a.m i kind of like that time of day because it's going to give us plenty of time to get all the funds wired everything's oh, done it's still going to be hopefully same day i
0: tell you what that I have seen that happen so many times when they schedule 8 a.m. Yeah. So really that means we've lost that business day. We've lost the morning to get docs out. Really we have to be docs the day before to have it ready, even the day before that. And I'm amazed at how many times it'll be set at 8 a.m. 9 a.m. Which is fine if that work, I understand work. I I totally get it. But if you're not communicating some of that stuff or it's not getting scheduled, that we've gotta be that much more proactive to have the loan documents by Wednesday, you know, or even Tuesday. But here's some other thing as we, as we talk about that, There's disclosures we have to do as a lender. When you first do your application and you're actually accepted on the property, we have to send out what's known as a loan estimate. They used to be called good faith estimates. Mm -hmm. Now they call them loan estimates. That loan estimate gets a closing disclosure three days before we can sign at the very end. So if you're getting late with documents and, and you're, you're rushing, trying to get it done, we can't sign for those three days. Yeah. So we can't get stuff scheduled, we have to wait. And that closing disclosure is compared to the loan estimate to make sure it matches. It can't yeah. be it can't be more. Yep. So if that's another factor, you have to have that three days factor right. in. Now most lenders are starting to get good at getting them out early i prefer to wait a little later because i want that closing disclosure to be as close to the numbers at the table as possible so there's a balance between getting it out a little too early and the numbers yeah. aren't right or too late and suddenly you can't even start signing and moving
1: in because yeah. you've got to wait those three mandatory days and so just remember Closing settlement, a lot of times people look at that as when you go to the title get the keys, company, yeah, right? my keys. <laughs> and, but you got to remember funding and recording is the words you want to hear. Yes. Once this place is funded, you're probably then within half hour of recording, yep. right? Because um, usually these places now, they get it recorded pretty darn quick for the yeah, most so part. Once, once it's settlement is where you're signing all the documents,
0: then they get sent back in, they get reviewed by the underwriter, make sure a signature is not missed, notarization. Yeah. sometimes we sign stuff at closing that was a condition we needed to fund the loan yeah so there's some stuff that can happen there and that's usually why there's that 24 hours then in our system we what we call fund the loan that means it's all done all approved nothing else no signatures missed that's when the wire is ordered and like you said in utah about three o'clock is the last you can get wires because that's when the exchange closes all that so you got to get them ordered by 11 to one o'clock yeah especially if it's busy end of the month so if you miss that deadline you're missing the wire so it's technically funded but the wire isn't received right that recording is the, by far in utah that's the name you want that's the so we have our podcast here clear to close that means you're clear to sign then you're clear to fund then you're clear to wire and record yeah so there's these other little steps afterwards once you get recorded the old owner doesn't own the house anymore. Your insurance kicks in, you get your keys yep. and your garage door openers, whatever else there is. And that's what we're, that's our whole goal of the show. And our whole goal of what we
1: do is yeah, to get, get you that clear, clear to, to, close. to close for sure. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's, that's, what's great about it is it can be a process, but if you're using the wrong people, it's a very stressful process because there's a lot of steps to it. And the the step, the good thing about it is we just told you (laughs) the steps that you guys need to have any type of idea about. There's so many steps to this that we don't even want you guys to know about because it's stuff that, I mean, how much work you've got going on in the, on the back end of this and same with the realtor and the title company, especially, I mean, there's stuff going on behind the scenes here to get all of these things in place that if you, if you had to do all that on your own, uh, (laughs) I, I don't, I don't even know what a word for that would be to describe it. Cause it'd be, it'd be horrible. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, that's why you hire experts, whether
0: it's financial yeah. planning or insurance or mortgages literally or all do this, this all stuff. day, every single yeah, day. And I've seen yeah. the pitfalls and I've seen the mistakes and I know what yep. the guidelines are and that's where working with professionals that are doing this full time day in
1: and day out. Using so the contracts different. that have been written by the, the states state. and, yep, and, and, and not something that you just typed up on word real quick saying, I'm going to offer you $20,000 for this lot. Okay. What else is disclosed? What else is, is in here? There's nothing. So, and I see that I see people trying to write offers like that. You have, I mean, use state documents. I'm never going to accept an offer from one of my sellers. That's a, not a state form. Right. right. So I think it's great. I mean, this is, and
0: we're going to dive into each of these steps a little bit further in other videos. If you have questions, comments, concerns, topics, please let us know. We'd love to go into those as with you, Mm -hmm. but we have a real passion for it. So I think just to reiterate pre-approval, narrow down your search, find your agent, submit your offers once accepted, you go through those stages. Finalize underwriting, finalize walkthrough, sign, get your keys. Yep. I mean that's really but there's so much like you said and in don't between there.
1: Pay your realtor. You yeah. don't have to pay your realtor.
0: Yep. As so as that's buyer, what's great. I yeah, I don't know yep. why as a buyer's agent or as a buyer you wouldn't use an agent. Yeah. But just use yeah. the right one. I think people are so apprehensive with loans and pre-approvals is because they don't shop around, they don't check around, they don't they don't find the right team to work with. And yeah. there's great people in this business, but there's some bad ones. Oh you yeah. Know? And, yeah. and I, and I wanted to bring up that they kind of remind me of something that, like you said, the stressfulness of this is really can be avoided. And I think there's the reason why it's so stressful is most of the people that are, our agents are independent. They don't have, you know, maybe the training they're not having to deal with, like having a corporate office or something behind it with all the training materials and stuff like that, depending on the team you're working with. But that's where it can be it, it, crucial to just find the right team. Yeah.
1: That's all we're trying to do is really just work with the right agents. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, thanks so much, Ryan. We'll, we'll do more of this and, and we'll kind of break this down into some other little episodes and be a little bit more specific on each of these steps as we go. Uh, but thanks so much for watching and, uh, let us know if you have any questions or uh, want any new topics that you have in the comments, leave them in there and uh, we'll see you guys next time on the clear to close podcast.